Hello and welcome back to the program. My name is Michael Finney. Today, I am joined by Black AI. Would you like to introduce yourself briefly, sir? Michael, what's up, man? Super happy to be here. Um, appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, so you know, the short version is I'm a bit of a traditional artist, and I have been for a long time. But you know, here in this world of things, I've kind of adopted to collaborating with AI um, and have kind of pushed that uh, in the community of things here. And so, kind of started in this space specifically in, in May or so of. 22, but I started working with AI um, long before that, kind of late 21, on my own, sort of in a silo, uh, built my own AI proprietary program and kind of worked with that um, sort of out on an island, so to speak, until I realized that a bunch of other people were making amazing things as well, utilizing this stuff. And ever since then, it's just been kind of a crazy roller coaster of things. And from being exhibited internationally to different countries and being able to work with a lot of these companies, even doing like beta testing and things like this, it's just been sort of a, a wild ride. So as far as, you know, my art life of things, this is definitely, you know, where it sort of popped off. Um, I've been working in creative teams um, and running like agency marketing type of work as far as my career goes. And so I've, I've been in the sort of creative field of things, but as far as like flexing on art specifically, this is the first time in my life I've, I've done that in a more professional type of manner. And, and it's, it's been wild. So. Yeah. I love it, man. Your arc has been fantastic to watch. And, you know, as uh, someone who's kind of newer to what you have been producing, um, you know, inside of the, the AI scene online, um, you know, you have a very distinct style and character. But I want to ask, you know, where that came from in regards to your traditional background. How did you get started? Where did you train? What should people know? So, I mean, my traditional background is I, I started, you know, doing art um, as a kid and did a lot of illustration and then got into painting. Um, in high school, I took sort of like advanced, you know, art classes and things like this. And then eventually I went to Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, I did more, you know, I, I kind of started there with, with one intention and left with another. I didn't want to be a struggling artist. <laughs> so, so I ended up kind of going into, um, advertising and, and marketing direction after experiencing a lot of other things there. And then, you know, this sort of career of things that I've done, I've, I've sort of accumulated all those into one big package that I use here. So I've, you know, I've been a photographer director, creative director, marketing director. Um, I've worked in uh, different startups. I've, I've ran a couple of agencies and worked with a lot of startups, you know, as far as the consulting uh, side of things go and kind of helping people build businesses and, and build things. That's sort of what I do. I've been involved in um, running five different businesses since, you know, I think my first one was when I was 19. And, you know, some, some successful, some failures, which is sort of how the story goes. And, right. you know, in the, in the meantime, I've just learned a lot. And so, I've always been someone who just personally explores art, even though I've done all these other things professionally. Um, I, I love doing photography and that's been like a huge influence for me here and a lot of the things that I, that I work on and the work that I produce. But as far as like, you know, other mediums, I've been an abstract expressionist painter um, for a long time since high school. Most of my things are abstract expressionist style of works. And so when I first got into the AI side of things, and working with, um, I, as I said before, I, I had created a, with a developer's help, I had created a proprietary AI program. And the result of those things were very expressionist in nature. And so a lot of that really turned me on to the whole thing because it was almost like working with a different type of canvas um, and kind of getting that almost like artificial expressionism 
type of type of vibe to it. And so that was sort of how I, I started in this. And then since then, as far as, you know, how that has uh, directed the persona and things, I just, I, I believe in art and I believe in people expressing themselves. I think a lot of people who were here last year, starting to the whole AI thing, um, we caught a lot of flack uh, for doing that from outside outside uh, communities and things like this. And so I feel like there's been almost like a, a bond created out of struggle. And I've just, I'm someone who has a hard time um staying silent about things that I believe in. And I just want to stand up and say them. And I, you know, I, I did that a lot last year and earlier this year. And I think that now things have sort of settled down and, and I just create the things that I want to create. And so that has led me into just really getting super deep into the work that I've been creating and, and the things that I've been focused on um, more so than anything. And all that is sort of driving factor for, you know, who, who I am in the space, I, w- I would guess to say. Fair points that you make, uh, and I think that we have actually talked in the past about an experience that I had earlier this year with an event that is local to me uh, for the Comic-Con scene, where they were very vocal about banning AI art and potentially, um, you know, removing vendors who were selling AI art within their venue and that to me you know i raised the point to them i'm i'm like that's that's heinous and wrong and also are you going to do that for people that are using photoshop and at that point photoshop had not uh launched their generative component yet and here we are you know looking at at photoshop and adobe uh getting in on the act too and i think it's going to be really really tough for a lot of these you know quote unquote traditionalists to you know, carry that flag, uh, going forward. I want to ask you, what are some of the more interesting or, um, compelling aspects of your professional experience as it relates to your creative acts or your passion for being creative and an artist? I think one of the things that has really kind of propelled me, um, with that sense of mind was, right after Stable Diffusion released last year and I started working with it and I finally got into this groove of, you know, photorealism. And I think at the time that was actually pretty difficult to achieve, even with Stable Diffusion. And it was the first time it was even, you know, possible. I think it was really tough. And I remember I had a conversation with another, you know, somewhat prominent artist in the space and we we're talking about maybe collaborating or whatever else. And I sat down and I spent like two hours, you know, prompting out new things. And I was getting some crazy, like it looked like had stepped out into 10 different photo shoots um, and, you know, coordinated wardrobe for weeks and, you know, created all these different lighting structures and done all this stuff that I've done before in like two hours with no budget. And that to me was like one of the things that was really just like super impactful and kind of game changing with the way that I looked at it because I was like, wow, like I can actually conceptualize an entire photo shoot, if not many of them, um, in, in an hour versus months of preparation or huge budgets or, or things like this. And it can be absolutely crazy. It can be things that are unreal, but look real. And that to me was sort of a, a turning point mentally where I started realizing the potential of these things, as well as seeing the huge, um, the, the difference between where it, it had been just earlier in the year to, I think, Stable Diffusion release in August of last year. You know, from from when I started working with it in 
December or so of 21, December, January, to when Stable Diffusion came out, it was leaps and bounds beyond that. And I sort of, and I realized with that contrast, what type of future we might end up having because seeing the photorealism happen in the way that it was happening for me, I was, I was blown away by the future potential, like where that was going. If we made that kind of stride in, you know, seven months, what, what's it going to look like in seven years? Because this is, it was something that was inconceivable at the time before that. And so to me, I take that same perspective and I apply that to a lot of things like when ChatGPT came out or all these different AI tools we see all the time. My, my initial thought is, especially with the brand new things, I'm like, well, that's, that's V1. You know, what's V5 going to be? What's V10 going to be? Because we've seen this crazy growth. And so I, I look at it as this really crazy kind of wild west of things. Um, and the potential is, is just sort of unlimited. You know, so a lot of that really affects, you know, the way that I look at it. I like it. As the technology has evolved, let's say over the last two years, as you've been working with it, how has that informed your developmental process and your creative process in any, in any angles that you'd like to approach that from? At first it was experimental and exploratory. Like I think a lot of things are. And I think that at first, like let's roll the clocks back a year from right now in September of last year. I think there was a lot of skill in prompting. I think there's a lot of skill in how you worked with these tools and not necessarily what they were doing, but more so how you worked with them. And so I think that, um, and I'm looking at a lot of the, the growth in the way that these tools function, especially, you know, mid journey, I think more so than anything else, like, you know, the, the ease of use there. Um, and it's something that I think as mass adoption kind of occurs with this stuff, what ends up happening is, is that the artist, the identity of the artist becomes very important in terms of their, and by identity, I'm in this case, I'm referring to their process and the way that they're working with it and their overall sort of, um, world in which it is that they're building. And so I think that's really important because the, the how is becoming less and less important than the why. And that's something I said that last year, as a lot of these tools were coming out, I feel that a hundred times more than I did then right now, um, because anybody can create anything. And with that, it's almost like having a cheat code, you know, to a video game, you go into like God mode or something, and then it's really fun for like an hour. Then you're like, yeah, you know, whatever, there's no challenge anymore. So it's like, it doesn't really like nothing matters if you can do anything how you play the game doesn't matter if anything can happen or if nothing bad can happen, you know? So it's like, I think there's, there's good and bad in this situation, but I look at it as like, what's valuable and what's not, what's not valuable. So, um, I look at it as when you see all these different tools come out and you're able to do all these different things to me now, it's less about being experimental, less about being exploratory and more about defining what it is you want to achieve the story you want to tell the emotions you want to express, the thoughts you want to invoke through this work, um, and then going into it with that intention. Um, I, I believe that art is intentional expression, um, regardless of the outcome or what tools are used or anything else. That's sort of a definition I've come up with and sort of refined here over the last year while trying to understand what defines art and what doesn't. I think you can go into these things and play around and create images. Is that art? If it's not if it's not intentionally uh, done with that in mind, no. Um, anything intentionally created to be art is is by definition art in my mind. 
I think it just depends on your intention as you go in and work with these things and the thing that you're trying to build with it, like what that actual intention is and whether or not you hit a goal that is either met or like if, if you meet that goal or you come to a new understanding of that goal, utilizing the collaborative uh, process and you come to this, you know, this sort of like end result that resembles the intention or um, elevates it. So that's how I, that's how I kind of would describe that. That's fair. And I want to drill down into this in regards to the artist incubator that you operate or manage, um, cultivate, I suppose all of those things are fair. Um, it revolves around creating art, but also critiquing and speaking about that. What are you getting out of managing that group? And maybe what are some of the things that members are getting out of that? Yeah, so this is something that we started in like February, March or so. And it was, I wanted to create something like it. And I thought that there was room for some educational type of environment, if you will, around the idea of getting feedback and having valuable critique sessions and things like this. And coming from the environments that I've been in, working in creative teams and going through like art school and stuff like this, like you go through a lot of critiques and that's how you get better at what you do. And so on Twitter, it's a little bit different because you post something and if people like it, they go, you know, cool piece, bro, when meant. And it doesn't really it doesn't really add any value or feedback. And plus that's almost like you're putting something out there that's finished and people don't want to be critical of it or, or give, you know, additive feedback in some way. And so I started it just really for that. Um, and it's not something that I even, to be honest, I really don't even talk about very much because the group we have in there is great. We've got just over like 300 people or so. And, you know, um, I'd say a, a decent, maybe, you know, 10% or so show up every week and we do sort of like live critiques and stuff. And, I think that what has happened during the process at first, you know, to answer your question more specifically about the value exchange, at first it was much more about um, me just kind of going through and giving some critiques because I don't think people, for the most part, knew how to do that. And I'm not saying like I'm best at it. I'm just saying I know how to do it because I've done it a lot. And so I created a guide on on the best way to do that. Um, called it the art critique method. It's a quick little guide of like you know asking for a specific type of feedback and going about giving feedback in a certain way so that it's respectful and and actually adds value and this sort of thing. Things that I've learned from you know doing these things for a long time. And at first, it was much more about me kind of going through. It was like, yeah, I like this. This works. This doesn't work. Maybe think about this and and you know kind of working with people who put in work and doing it that way. Um, but since you know the last, I'd say two to three months or so, a lot of the artists in, the, in that space have just like extremely progressed. Um, their abilities, skill sets, world building, all of these things. And it, it blows my mind and it makes me proud. If I can say that, it makes me proud to at least have a space where people have like grown into it. Not that they wouldn't have otherwise, but I, but you can see how people like, okay, I took this feedback and I did this. And when others are there giving feedback and, and for me, it's like a, it's almost like a classroom of of people who are there to learn and share. Um, and then at the end, of the end of the day, I also kind of become a student in a way too. And I think we all kind of graduate. And so, you know, the last couple of weeks, we, we've had several conversations about, you know, sort of the future of the space and, and what we kind of want to do with it. And then I like to really market heavy or like, oh, come join my thing. It's not really like that. It's just like, hey, like, here's this thing. If it's valuable, it's valuable for you, you know, so. Yeah, it's it's low key and chill. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't want it to be, I think there's a lot of platforms 
and programs and all the stuff that people are like, oh, come do this thing and spend your entire day here. Otherwise, it doesn't matter for you. And so to me, like, it's really about showing up once a week, throwing a piece in, you know, join the conversation, give a little bit of feedback here and there. You know, 20, 20 minutes outside of like a live event, you know, a week or something really isn't a huge ask. And this adds value to get perspective from other people. And so to me, there is that kind of exchange. It's like an energy exchange that happens um, where I feel feel like I'm helping people when they tell me that I'm helping them and they got help from other people just by being there. And that to me is like, never thought I would have something like that. Um, and it's sort of just created itself in a way. It's been very organic and that's that's been very valuable to me too. Let's talk about your work specifically. The, and I don't know if I'm phrasing this right, but you have a number of collections that fall within the Syncretica moniker, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So will you break down some of those collections and also give us some of the thematic conceptualization or arcs that are important for you to express and perhaps for people to look for or uh, to glean out of it? I, I'll preface it by I didn't start with this structure in mind or this end goal in mind. And what happened was a very kind of organic process where um, I had a series uh, last year around this time that I released my first kind of full series and it was on object. It was called the allure of darkness and it was, you know, photorealism sort of what I was alluding to a while ago. Um, and this sort of like dark occulty type of aesthetic, um, black and white and really kind of intense, but also very alluring. And, you know, it had this sort of mystery to it. Um, and then, you know, a lot of it, um, what, as I sort of became known for that look and that identity over time, I think people started looking at me as someone who like was into like, you know, dark stuff or Satanism or like things like this. I even had a couple like articles written about me, like, Oh, the Satanist black, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like things like this. And like, that's not, that's not who I am. And I, I sort of countered that, um, with my next series, uh, in late December, and early January called the explorations of ultra consciousness. And, that tapped into a lot of the things that I've done in my life. I've, I've practiced all different types of things that have sort of broken my understanding of what this reality is and tapped into, you know, tapped into and beyond my own consciousness and things like this. And I wanted to kind of represent that part of me as well through the art. Um, and later on, after kind of seeing the two of those, um, I started working on a series called Penumbra, um, which is sort of a more of a narrative based story about um, sort of a, a traveler that goes through this sort of like dimensional experience and um, has this kind of large kind of enlightenment arc of things like a vulnerability stripped down of ego and enlightenment type of character arc. And, um, you know, as I was as I was beginning that, um, I had a conversation with a collector of mine. And we were kind of looking through work and I was talking about, you know, I, I'm, you know, I fully am aware of how different you know, these three main things are like the allure of darkness, the exploration stuff. And then this, like they're all look very different. And his response to me was that he's like, actually, I think they're all the, I think they're all within the same world of things. Just haven't like, that just hasn't like maybe clicked for you. But when I look at it, I see a full spectrum dark to light. Yeah. And also there's a resolution um, difference in terms of like, how close or far some things are. I think when you're, when, 
specifically when you are making some scenes, there's this kind of grainy aspect. And then when you're getting in nice and close, there's a lot of um, very organic detail that's occurring. That's just been kind of one of my observations with it. Yeah. I think even philosophically, like I would say the same thing, you know, you can't really see the forest for the trees to, to say it in another way. Like, and so I, I, I wanted to understand what that framework might be. So I started to develop a framework around that. Like, what is the dark? What is the light? Um, what is this sort of like powerful path versus an enlightenment path and, and things like this. And so I started working with, um, uh, you know, chat GPT and, and Poe and others to develop out a framework, like a belief system. And basically the, the original use case was simply to have different branches that I could produce work off of to make sure that I still, you know, kept a similar core idea around things. And so since starting that, I've, I've just added to it. And a lot of the work that I've done has tapped into that in one way or the other, um, or I, I should say maybe branched out from that in one way or the other. I have a, um, a series on uh, super rare right now called the age of syncretica. And it's sort of a, it's with the strange history, alternative reality and, and Sloika group um, with the, their strange history stuff. And I basically created this sort of alternative timeline of like, if this was a real religion, you know, how would that play out? And I tapped into a couple, you know, another older series of mine is sort of like a middle ground point for that. And, you know, called uh, false idols. And I, I've started building this narrative around the whole thing. And, and in the, in the, in the middle of doing that, I decided like, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to really see this through, I need to actually write out what syncretica actually is as a belief system. And so I began doing that. And so that's sort of a, an ongoing and probably a very long-term ongoing project for me is doing that. And so, yeah, hopefully that gives a little bit of insight. There's, you know, a hundred different rabbit holes to go down, but that's probably the most succinct way that I could put it. I would agree. And in terms of having these inversions, right? It's difficult to see uh, light structurally if you don't have these shadow aspects. Are there any things that we have not discussed today that you feel are important for folks that are listening to know about? I would say anyone in this space that's an artist, you know, we're all sort of trying to do our own thing and, and build something. And unfortunately we see a lot of people leave and it's just the nature of the beast. And I've, you know, definitely have second guessed what I'm doing here and leave in the things that I do. But you know, you're constantly, I think artists tend to be very emotional. Um, and you're, you're tied to your work emotionally is probably the better way I could say that in the more accurate way. And so it's like, you know, you have this sort of emotional tie to things and then you have this like real life side of things and you have like the Twitter world of things. I think all of it can be very overwhelming, you know, and I think that it's, it's okay to feel that way. That's probably the message I would put out there. Like it's okay to feel that way. I think that we, we tend to put, I know I personally put a lot of pressure on myself. I think as a community, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and things move real quick. Um, you know, you take a weekend off and your impressions drop 30%. You know, it's, it's that kind of environment where you feel this absolute need to be locked into it all the time. But, but I think art has never been something that can be rushed. Um, and it can never be something that is truly great art. It can't necessarily have like these super tight deadlines or all this pressure. Like it's got to come from a place of passion 
and and love or expression in some way at least love for the work absolutely and i for me that's something i'm trying to i'm trying to just hold on to that um while trying not to be distracted or overwhelmed by all the other things and so maybe that will help someone else realize that you know i i feel that way too a lot of other people feel that way too um and it's not something that we speak a lot about so a little bit of a, a sprinkle of vulnerability from my side, but it's definitely something that I think, you know, it's, it's tough being here. Um, and I'll, I'll wrap that by saying, you know, just believe in what you do, take breaks when you need it. Um, and art is something that will always be there for you, uh, regardless if someone buys it or likes it on the timeline. And that's, that's sort of a byproduct um, than it is from actually creating it. So. Hey, Black, thank you for taking the time today and look forward to talking again more in the future. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me here. It was a pleasure chatting with you.